Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome everyone to This Girl Puts Out. I believe we are at episode number 16 and I'm very excited to have a discussion with you all today about finding purpose. I'd like to introduce you to a new friend of mine uh, that I met online through the podcasting community, a lovely lady all the way from the UK who's joining us today, and she's going to be sharing her story of um, sort of finding her purpose and the troubled road that that led to her finding her purpose, and uh, she's going to be kind and generous enough to share with us the good, the bad, and everything in between that led up to it. So I'd like to introduce you today to my friend, Sheena. Welcome, Sheena. Thank you so much, Carmel. Um, does, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, just really excited to be here and share my story. All right. So we're going to dive right in and get to know you just a little bit better. What can you tell us about yourself? Um, so I was brought up in a little town called Dudley in the West Midlands in the UK. And that is actually where I currently live. Um, but I have actually spent um, a lot of time traveling different cities, different um, countries even. Um, I come from a very loving, close-knit family. Um, two sisters, one either side of me, so I'm the middle child, and my parents, who I actually live with at the moment. Um, we, yeah. I grew up in quite an ordinary, um, loving family. Uh, we, we are from Indian heritage. So my parents were born in India and they came to the UK in, I think, the 60s. Um, and they actually met here um, and got married here. And then, um, so we come from quite a close-knit um, Asian community. We are Hindu. Um, but I would say that although I see myself as a Hindu, I don't, I'm not very, I don't practice. There are aspects of my religion that I enjoy and I like to learn about it, but I'm not strict with myself or anything. And I think my, my whole family is quite like that. So, you know, we weren't brought up having to go to the temple every week and things like that. But we do, like I said, uh, the community we live in here, there are a lot of, um, other, Indian Hindu families, um, more I guess my parents' age and their families. I don't have a lot of uh, a big connection with them. It's mm-hmm. not like I have a lot of friends in that community, but my parents probably do. So I think I would describe our family as a little bit different to most Indian families growing up in the you know eighties and nineties for me especially. Um, my parents were a little bit more relaxed about things, not so strict. Um, And maybe because of that, we probably had a slightly different upbringing as well as me and my sisters going off on a different path when it came to education and career. Probably not the typical thing that most Indian um, children and youngsters my age at that time would have done. In in what way? My parents were more more relaxed. I mean, I think around the age of 16, 17, um, friends of mine and me occasionally would be going out and you know there was, there was underage drinking and things like that mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say I was allowed to do that they weren't as strict as yeah. a lot of other parents we knew. So what what did you go to college for what did you want to be what did you want to study? So at school when it came to the ages when you start choosing you know different subjects um, I remember actually I had this discussion very recently with a friend of mine who we were at university together and I said to her looking back now we both we were both quite similar at university in that we completed our course mm-hmm. but we didn't do exceptionally well we got through it and I, I asked her do you think going back we just picked the wrong subjects we just picked the wrong thing 
And had we picked something different, we would have done a lot better. And she said, yeah, I do. And then we thought, looked back and from the age of, say, 14, 15, when you're picking, starting to have to choose subjects, which path you're taking, how do you know at that age what you want to do? You can't. How can you? You, you can't possibly. I, you know, I did a podcast with a young woman a few weeks back, and she knew she wanted to be a pediatrician from the moment she could talk. That's extremely rare to to know that what you want to do. I mean, of course, my son wants to be a hundred things right now. He's twelve. You know, when you're little, you say, "Oh, I want to be this," or "I want to be in law enforcement," or but you don't realistically know what you want to be, especially when it comes time to choose. And I just feel like it's too much pressure, too much pressure for a teenager to make yeah. a, a what could be a life altering decision. I mean, here you're telling me that you had a discussion with a friend and had you been on a different path, had you been studying something more suited to you or something that you excelled at who knows how that would have affected your life exactly it, it's i mean you know there's there's obviously nothing we can do about it now but it, it's interesting when you think back so you know surely at that age teenage years you i remember for me it was difficult to choose because i all the subjects across the board for me nothing stood out i was doing well i did well at school and everything was about the same so it wasn't like oh you're excelling in those few subjects why don't you go that direction mm -hmm. it to me it was just all like I have to just choose now yeah and I think you do end up choosing things your friends choose because you want to be in the same classroom as them which you know I'm sure that's the case for most people so that's where it started and then I remember having to choose narrow down the subjects for when I went to college for two years Again, looking back now, I, I don't know why I chose the subjects I did, but then those subjects is what you base your decision on when you go to university for three, four years. Mm -hmm. So it all does, it starts in your teenage years and all of a sudden it's, you're setting your career based on something you, you had no idea about. I ended up studying geology at university, mm -hmm. which I enjoyed. Don't get me wrong, it's interesting subject, but interesting probably for somebody, interesting on kind of a, in the bigger picture sense and all, oh, you know, mm -hmm. you're learning about fossils and there was half of it that was interesting and then the other half just wasn't yeah. basically. And I wasn't academically kind of excited enough about that to do well. Mm -hmm. I did what I had to get by well I think um, anything we're not you know when you're not thrilled with something if it doesn't truly resonate with you 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 tend to put less of yourself into it no matter if it's something you're studying or even I don't know a hobby right you yeah just no no your heart's not in it I mean 100% that I was the student that went to university and enjoyed herself and some people had a very good balance of enjoying themselves and studying. I enjoyed myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, I think that comes from the upbringing of having that little bit more freedom than some people my age in my mm -hmm. community. But all of a sudden, I've moved away from home and nobody's watching. So maybe I probably took it that step further because I could. Yeah. So, so you started partying a lot. Yes. Okay. You recently turned a corner in your life where you made some big changes and mm -hmm. you're now focused. You're now on a path yes. that you feel is your purpose. You, you finally found something that speaks to your heart that yes. you love doing. Um, but let's talk about starting from these college partying years up to the point. There was a point where you had a aha moment or a come to Jesus <laughs> moment or a, um, yeah. you know, moment where it, everything fell apart for you and you okay. had to make some changes. So, so take us from college to that point. Okay. So like I said, I'm enjoying myself. Um, I 
I got into a relationship with somebody in my first year at university, which um, didn't, I think, I can't remember, it must have been about, we, I think we were together six months, nine months. It wasn't actually very long, but I suppose when you're living in that kind of situation where that person is there all the time, it's intense. And for me, I probably made it more intense. Now looking back and seeing the kind of person I am, I am just one of those people that, you know, everything's quite intense and I get really involved. Um, and I think that... We call that passionate. Of... You're passionate. <laughs> yes. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I, I was. But young young love that. tends to be intense. You know what I mean? That now? is true. Yeah. It does. Yes. Um, so that, I think the breakup spiraled my... A period of sadness, as it does with any breakup with most people, except... I think with me already drinking more than I did before I started um, university. I, I can't exactly pinpoint when I started to feel like this is a bit more than just a breakup sadness. There was just, you know, I stopped going into my lectures. I started even pulling away from the friends that I lived with in the house. I It was just very not me behaviour. I can't really explain it, but I started to not be myself um the drinking was probably didn't look worrying to anybody because everybody you know you're at university college everybody's drinking for whatever reason except I think at that point my drinking did start because I was sad Mm -hmm. and that obviously just made things worse and then it got to the point where I obviously became a nightmare to live with I can't exactly even remember and tell you what it was that I was doing, but my housemates, the people I lived with, were very worried about me. And it actually came to a point where they just said, we can't we can't live with you anymore. We don't want to live with you next year if this is how it's going to be. At that point, I realised, like, this is not good. Um, so I left, I went home, and I didn't finish my second year um, at that point. I went home early and took the rest of the year off. And then I restarted back the following year and I repeated a year. So my degree took me four years. So you went home and Mm -hmm. did your parents know why you were home? Did they know you were going through a difficult time or did you just say I was unsure about, you know, my uh, courses or what, you know, how did your parents react to all this? I can't remember what words I used. I remember calling them early one morning and saying come and pick me up Mm -hmm. that is all I remember so they knew something was wrong I obviously must have been very upset and they came that day Mm -hmm. and I went home and I'm not sure I don't think we talked about the details what had happened how things had been going I don't think we got into it but I do remember seeing a counsellor during those summer months I was speaking to a lady who was kind of helping me through these things I mean it was such a long time we're talking like 20 years now so that was my first experience of therapy as well Mm -hmm. but it felt like if I'm honest I think I started to panic about the fact that I knew that I was going to fail that year Mm -hmm. I was unhappy my friends, my friends who I thought we were very close with, as a, you know, didn't want to live with me. I think all these things just came to a head. And rather than trying to even figure it out, I just said, come and take me home. It's a lot I, of pressure. Feeling unwanted and lonely triggers so many negative feelings that you end up feeling bad about yourself on top of feeling like a failure, feeling like, you know, you're disappointing somebody, you feel bad about yourself. And it's just, it's a deep, deep hole you can get into. Yeah. And when you put it like that, that I think, those feelings not being wanted, you know, knowing that I was going to fail the year, I hadn't, I was going to disappoint my parents on that side. My friends didn't want me. My part, you know, my boyfriend had broken up with me. I, my friendship circle, because we were all in the same Mm -hmm. friendship circle was now just a mess I didn't know where I belonged that was probably the starting point of years of feeling the same things feeling like I didn't belong or people didn't want me around or constantly disappointing my parents and I would go probably for the next however many years going through good phases but always coming back to that feeling of you're messing things up again Mm. you're um so you know we kind of just university I did finish university 
I even ended up staying on and doing a master's degree after all that. And yeah, <laughs> bizarrely enough, I think I felt like I was, you know, back to myself, completed another degree. Um, and towards the end of that year, between finishing that degree and then going on and getting my first graduate job, I again fell into this it was it was a, re a relationship that wasn't a real relationship it was, it was kind of a friendship that could have been something more and didn't turn out that way mm. and left me feeling really heartbroken maybe I'm just one of those people like I said when I like somebody and things go you know I, I go all in and I feel really really deeply mm -hmm. so when it doesn't work out it hurts it hurts Very me deeply. a lot yeah I, I I think you know people you I used to say that oh I'm just sensitive but I that makes me I feel like that's a bad way to put it because it makes me feel like I'm justifying it but it's just who I am I some people deal with these things easier than others I feel them and they hurt and it takes time so before going off and doing this job I was heartbroken so I started the mood my mood levels already dropping again and I moved to a new city, start a new job. My, I'd imagined this life. I don't know where I'd created it in my head, but I'd imagined this. I was going to be a young professional in a new city. I'd make new friends. I'd be out, you know, a few nights a week after work, going to the bars, all these, just what you see in TV. You know, I thought that sure. was going to be my life now. And obviously that did not happen. <laughs> um, my job was a good job but it didn't pay that well. So I'm paying rent, barely scraping by, not making any friends, and the loneliness mm -hmm. starts creeping back in. Plus I'm still dealing with heartache. And, and because I think there I lived with people I didn't know, I stopped looking after myself. I went through a phase of not eating. It wasn't purposefully me skipping meals, mm -hmm. but there was just, I wasn't interested. I would go, I just would very like one meal a day. And when I say one meal, not even a proper meal. So I, I stopped, I lost a lot of weight over that next year, but the drinking still stayed. Not obscene amounts, mm -hmm. but it was a constant. That always, most nights, I'd say I was opening a bottle of wine when I got home from work. Mm -hmm. And then that carried on for a year before again I I don't know maybe I wasn't happy in work maybe things weren't going how I wanted them to and I started to really feel it so I started just feeling down again um it was about the time that I started having really bad like um problems with my digestion and I think that's it I went to see the doctor about it and they questioned my stress levels mm -hmm. And I actually now remember I'd gone in for this one thing and they mentioned stress and I just broke down. I just broke mm. down in tears. I don't know what. I think I needed somebody to ask the question. Mm. Yeah, I cried. I remember that. I don't remember a lot after, but I remember being signed off work and I didn't go into that job again for, I think, two months, if not longer. So you had no support. And you you weren't sharing how you were feeling with your with your parents. You're an adult now no. in a new city. Yeah. You don't have a support system. You're not talking. I not telling anybody. You're not no. talking to anybody. So you're internalizing all of this and self medicating. Yeah. And feeling worse about yourself by the day. And then um, during that time, I remember my parents came to visit me. And I think my little sister might have been there as well. And I opened up about something. And again, <laughs> everything's so blurry, but there was a conversation that was had that day. They weren't overly stressed, but the decision was made that I leave that job, I leave that city and start fresh, start over, because I clearly wasn't happy. So the decision that decision was made I must have been looking for a job and for some reason we decided that um I should go and live with my sister in London mm -hmm. so rather than start over somewhere new where I don't know anyone I would have a support system and you know it seemed exciting where I man I was in Manchester at the time that didn't work out that wasn't working so let's try a new city let's try and start over so 
I left. I took a little bit of time out with my parents and my sister. We went to India for a month, came back. I'd got, managed to get myself a really good job in London through a friend of my sister's, who at this point was married, her and her partner living in London. They'd been there a good few years by then. I moved in with them. Yeah, new job, new city, family, which was definitely better. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that year in London was good. There was nothing. I don't remember any dark times. Yeah. Um, I, I lived the London life as well as, I, as well as I could have done for that one year. The reason I left it was because London wasn't for me. And I think what I did was enjoy my time there. I had this great time. A lot of people say London, you do it for a little... You, go and do London for a few years and once you've had enough you know you've had enough and it's time to move on there's very few people I think that go and I just can keep up with that life it's yeah. it's it wasn't for me it's but like it was a, fun while I, it's like our New York City yeah basically yeah and you know what I go even now when I go to London it gives me some that kind of buzz and that feeling of excitement because it is a really exciting city but yeah after a year, I was like, oh, I'm tired now. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. You got you to be tough to live in yeah. one of those cities. <laughs> yeah. Um, that wasn't quite me. My sister and her, her husband loved it there. Um, but it all kind of tied in with them expecting their first baby. So they would have needed their spare room back. My little younger sister was about to go do a year abroad for traveling. My mum said to me, how come you never went travelling after you finished mm-hmm. university? Uh, and I said, I don't know. I said, I was so fixated on getting this job and living this, you know, city life that I wasn't interested in it. Um, she said, well, why don't you go now? And, uh, you know, I, I gave it a little thought and I thought, why don't I go now? So, <laughs> good, good enough. I didn't want to be in London anymore. I had to move out of my sister's house. So I went and booked a round the world ticket one weekend. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to go and do it. Um, so I did. I moved away from London and I carried on working for the company I worked for from remotely back at like where I am now, back um, with my parents. And then I went and flew to Australia in March 2008. Wow. Yeah, just by myself. Yeah. So at this point, are you feeling, you know, I mean, that was about 12 years ago. So, I mean, at Mm. that point, were you feeling more settled? Were you feeling like you had found yourself at all or were you still struggling? Did you feel still feel like you were, you were hopping around looking for a place to land where you belonged? I was looking at that point. I wasn't looking I wasn't sad about anything, but I was still mm-hmm. looking. Yeah. Um, because it was a, you know, I, I knew our London, I was done with London, had to move away from there, but I didn't know where to go next. It was mm-hmm. like traveling would be an excuse not to have to make that decision. So yeah. I, you know, got on a plane instead. <laughs> and um, why not? And then I traveled, yeah, I, for six months. I obviously I went by myself but you know these things you you never on your own when you you do this sort of thing but it was scary at times Mm -hmm. landing in like different places cities and countries and realizing okay the first few days I now have to meet new people and you really got to put yourself out there when you're by yourself which must have made you strong must have made you really uh brave I think it did. I remember looking at the people who were traveling with other people, mm-hmm. used to stay within their groups. I'm not saying they wouldn't talk to other people, but it's the people on their own that were more willing to say hello to you mm-hmm. because they're in the same situation. So I think if you travel by yourself, you're more likely to make new connections and new friends much easier than if you're just sticking with your friends. Um, so I had a brilliant time. I really did. It was just amazing. I saw so many different countries in such, it's quite a short space of time, really. Um, met some beautiful people and definitely so glad I did it and glad I did it then because I find that although when I first went, I was 27, 
and I thought oh my god everybody here is very young you know like people go straight out of university or do the Mm -hmm. uh, a year out before they go and start a job and I was doing this a little bit later but I think I got more out of it by doing it that way um yes again I enjoyed myself there was a lot of drinking but I also took in a lot of the culture and took in a Mm -hmm. lot of the whole experience rather than just drinking my way around like all these countries um so you traveled for six months and mm-hmm. then was it time to find another job and another place to live and start over again? Again. So yeah, we're starting from scratch. Unfortunately, starting from scratch this time, I came back to the UK. It was July, 2008. Mm-hmm. We were right in the middle of the recession. Mm. So I came back, moved home and I couldn't get a job mm. in anything for months. I've sat at home unemployed I don't think I panicked because I was lucky enough, you know, mum and dad were like, you you know, you've got a roof over your head, you're at home, there's nothing to worry about. So I didn't panic, but also it's not ideal. Um, um, Eventually, when I did find work, it was odd jobs here and there, which were very kind of administrative secretarial type things, which was fine. I needed work that, you know, to fill a gap, I was happy to do that. Um, but it was getting harder and harder to find anything that could get me back on the career path. Yeah. Yeah. You were but just paying bills and finding something yeah. to do basically. But having said that, I didn't know what career path I wanted to be on anyway. So yeah. I think part of me was hoping I would fall into something good mm-hmm. that would make a decision for me. And it didn't really happen. Um, I did get a job working for a local government organization, which was a fixed contract. So I knew, right, I'm I'm employed now for, I think it was 18 months. Mm -hmm. So I could relax a little bit, but I needed a plan because this is not where I was going to stay. I needed something. Um, By this time, my younger sister's also returned from her year um, abroad, but she wanted to go back to Australia because that's where she spent her year. And I had to think about it and thought, well, maybe I can do that too. Because I was still within the age range to get the working holiday visa where you can kind of go and find temporary work. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe that's my way into Australia. And then I find a employer there that will sponsor me. So you're you're about 30 years old at this point. I am coming up to my 30th. Basically, I decided... My contract was then going to end in September. I turned 13 September. I said to my little sister, let's make sure as soon as I turn 30, we have a flight booked and we're getting out of this country. <laughs> we actually made that deal. That And five days after my 30th birthday, we flew to Australia. With not nice, way to <laughs> nice way to celebrate 30. But again, I mean, there's that number, right? 30. And you're you've got to be feeling some pressure at this point. You know, um, I'm 30 years old. I don't have a job yet, or I don't have a career yet. I'm not married. All these things that, that we go through, you know, um, I'm sure all that stuff was in the back of your mind, but, um, you know, so you get on the plane. Uh, I think all of that stuff was probably in my mind from around 25. You know, I, think like a lot of people in my head I would have found somebody that was going to spend the rest of my life with by 25 before by 30 there would have been at least one child if not two in a house that's yeah. what I thought would happen and it yeah wasn't happening I tried not to worry about it I tried not to overthink it and I thought oh, again fresh start let's try a new country girl <laughs> so we went to <laughs> uh, we went to Australia um Another reason also we thought about going there was my older sister, her husband's Australian. Mm. They'd just had their second child and they decided that they were probably going to move back to Australia and bring up their family there because Mm -hmm. it just, they thought it would be better for the boys. So we knew that she was going to move there eventually. Yeah. And my parents at this point are retired and spending half the year now in India anyway mm-hmm. so me and my younger sister thought again well that's another reason let's just go to Australia there's nobody here right or there right. will be no one here so we went and I managed to find a job to sponsor me on a four-year visa within the six first six months of me being there 
things started to feel like they were falling into place. I had this job that was going to keep me there and four years and within two years I could probably start to apply for residency and I was making new friends and I was living the life, city life that I thought I was going to do in the UK but no, it's happening now. I was making friends and going to bars and eating dinner and fancy restaurants and everything that I ever imagined and then I meet somebody as well so I'm like this is just it's all great and did you like did you like the job I actually did like the job yeah um it went I went back into what I kind of studied in at university and maybe being in a different country it was slightly different but you know working outside in Australia you can't complain about that and they just generally their work ethic they're very relaxed and Mm -hmm. chilled out about everything and there wasn't anything in those in that first year that I didn't love it was just amazing so I've been there a year and then I met somebody I honestly did think this is it now it's finally all happening um but the relationship didn't work out (sighs) was it an excuse for me just to start feeling sorry for myself I don't know I think a lot of the thoughts of here I go again came in this Mm -hmm. isn't working you know I thought I had it it's all slipping away being so far away from family because at this point I forgot to mention my little sisters actually had to leave the country and move to New Zealand so I am in Perth Australia on my Mm -hmm. own Mm -hmm. my friends that I've made are now my family Mm because I'm so far away from my own so when the relationship didn't work out this person who I lived with for six months as a friend who then turned into a boyfriend and now all of a sudden we're not together. That was, I, I felt like I really, I'd lost, you know, quite a big person in my life, somebody that was so important. And I struggled, really, really struggled again. Very lonely. I, I used to, all the feelings I used to, I just took everything inside of me and it's mm-hmm. all like playing the victim. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why can't yeah. things just work out for me? Did you think something's like, are you saying, is there something wrong with me or I'm not yeah. good enough? Yeah. Um, I'm not this, I'm not that. It's because of mm-hmm. my deficiencies that my life is not working out. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure it out. What What is it about me that can't find the right job, can't settle in one place, can't keep a relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, even friendships, I started to read into those. You know, now I know that friendships, that even they, after a time, might not always, you know, friends come and go. But at that time, if I, if friendships started to fizzle out, you know, nothing big had to happen. But I would see that as, again, why? Why, is it, why the, do they not like me anymore? What have I done? Rather than they've just run their course. I didn't get that. Because... I think for the next few months, um, me and my ex-boyfriend at the time were still spending time together. Um, And then it came to Christmas of that year, December of that year, and he was flying home. He was from um, Belfast, Northern Mm. Ireland, and he was flying home for Christmas. So he went home. We didn't leave on, like, he didn't leave on the best of terms. Like, we'd had an argument before he left. We're obviously not together at the time, but still in each other's lives and still a bit complicated. And... I think he'd probably been there less than a week and I found out that I was pregnant and I just didn't know what to do. Um, I let, I had to tell him I didn't want to because it would, I basically I knew what was coming because he'd all, one of the reasons it didn't work out for us together is he said, he said, you want a family, you want all of that. I'm not interested in any of that. Mm-hmm. So we're just not going to work. That's why it ended. So now I'm going to have to tell him, you know, sorry, but there's now a potential baby. And mm. I knew that conversation was not going to go well. Yeah. And he was miles away at home and it was so difficult. But we, as expected, I think I sent him a message. I had to put it in a message because I knew he wouldn't have answered the phone to me. He responded and then we spoke that day and I remember him being very he was angry but you know I suppose that was shock as well straight away it was very much well you know what I think you know what I've always thought Uh I I don't I don't want children so so why didn't you prevent this yeah a bit like not even that but as in this is not going to happen because you know I don't want it and then we said we'd speak again the next day and again blurry few days I've remember very little of exactly how things went yeah 
but it came to the point where I think one of our last conversations was he said this is your decision you uh, you can do what you want and I will be there and I will support you but I don't want this baby I think I will end up resenting you and the child then I'm left with that decision that yes he said he'd support me but this person sounds like he hates my guts at the moment yeah. Yeah, how do gonna, I keep that gonna support you under duress? Yeah, and like, what kind of life is that? He's always going to be part of my life with resentment, and I don't want a child to have to deal with that either. And I felt like, as much as I wanted it, there was no happy ending in that at all. Just so, yeah, I had a termination like literally the week before Christmas, and you did this while you had no support system. Again, I hadn't told anybody except the girl that I lived with at the time mm -hmm. and a couple of close friends. Mm -hmm. I hadn't told my family. I think I think it was out of fear of just not knowing what they would say. However, I don't think anybody would have been angry with me. I think I was worried about other opinions and influences. It's a, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy subject. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get when you share that with someone. Um, it's just an awful, awful thing to go through um, by yourself. But yet most people do go through that by themselves. Yeah. And I think I agree. I think like you say, out of fear of not knowing what somebody yeah. is. Even when you think you know somebody so well, you still yeah. don't know what they are. For something like this, you still don't know what that it's reaction is going to be. It's different. And there was already, I think, there was one friend that already surprised me with her reaction. She she didn't live in Australia. And already her, how she reacted shocked me to the point where I was like, okay, I need to, I can't be listening to these people and opinions because what I want but what is right are two different things. That's how I saw it. Mm. So I couldn't cloud my you know, I couldn't cloud it anymore. And the scariest part was in Australia. I was in Western Australia in Perth. And I didn't really know this at the time until you start finding out. There's only one place in Australia, in, in Western Australia, in Perth, mm. in that whole side of that country that does terminations. One. Um, luckily, I was in the city, so it's not that far. But then I started to think about all these towns that are like three, four hours away. There was one place. It's still very, very a thing that is frowned upon there. So hence why there just aren't any facilities. So, you know, I, I the doctor told me who I could ring and I phoned them and I, I couldn't get an appointment for, it was over a week. It was coming up to two weeks. That was the only thing available before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So then that was like, I have to decide because yeah. if I say no now, then we're going into January every week. This I wasn't forced into the decision, but at the time, everything was pushing, you know, it's like I have to hurry up and decide. I, I need to, I don't know. I don't know if things, I try not to think about if it, yeah. what what could have been. There is absolutely no point in thinking that. Everything at the time seemed to weigh up in the favour of doing the right thing for everybody involved at that time. And so now, you know, another thing about turning 30 or getting older is, you know, you're saying, okay, am I ever going to have a family? And here you have this opportunity and you, you give it up. I don't take it. You I don't take, take it. it. And so now, now you're feeling really good about yourself. Oh, now it's like. Because <laughs> you weren't feeling bad enough before. <laughs> now you really feel like shit. You know what? Like, I'm so glad that this, we can laugh. I can laugh. I have to be yeah. able to. Because when, now, the first time, I think I've really played it all back. And yeah, you know, this one thing that, oh, I get to possibly have it. Oh, no, but it's just not the right time. And then, yes, yeah, so I, I dealt with that in Australia not very well. I spiralled massively after in coming January. Um, he came back. I think the two weeks he was still away, I processed it as well as I could by myself. And I thought I was okay. He returns. It's like a whole different you know now all of a sudden we're dealing with it together he starts crying and says it's my fault oh my god as it I, and then i'm like are you, are you actually really? kidding me yeah. yeah seriously you're saying this to me now now i mean what do you do i this, that that was it then downhill yeah um months of um i didn't go to work i was just drinking excessively every day all the time i can't remember exactly when it was probably not that long after we got back in January, there was 
um, I ended up in hospital twice, taking an overdose on purpose. I always say that I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to wake up. Mm. If that even makes any sense. Mm -hmm. It's like you just want everything to stop. I don't know. I think it's the hardest thing to explain Mm. why you would do that. But it's like I wanted to stop feeling everything. I wanted to stop thinking. I just wanted everything Mm -hmm. to stop. And, you know, when you've been drinking, you just do the the most stupid things. Yeah. Well, you're either, you know, drinking to not deal. Well, you're drinking to not deal with it. You're drinking to numb. When you're already feeling bad, like emotionally, it's like throwing fuel on a fire. Your emotions amplify tremendously. So how long did this phase of your life last, you know? Um, just drinking and feeling awful and in this dark dark place six and seven months that carried on Mm. on and off there were some you know in that period of time I went to stay with my sister who is now there with her family on the Gold Coast so the other side of Australia went to stay with them I got made redundant from my job um, which wasn't anything to do with what was going on the company was going under anyway I somehow miraculously uh, miraculously managed to pull all this stuff together I got help professional help um, went back to Perth managed to get another job who agreed to get me a visa mm-hmm. so all of a sudden come July things started to right settle down again and um I can't remember what all I remember was meeting the ex-boyfriend for his birth. He was going away for his birthday. He was going on holiday. He was actually coming to the States, I think. And I wanted to see him before he went. And we got into some horrific argument. I honestly can't really remember what happened. But when I think I then didn't go into work the next day, when I did go to go into work the following week, I was basically let go. I was still in my probation period, so they didn't have to give me a reason. And then I phoned my parents to tell them. And I was in a state, you know, everything was a mess. I'd obviously probably been drinking that day. And they just said, we can't look after you from here. We can't do this anymore. Your friends can't do this anymore. You need to come home. Um, So I literally packed up everything in Australia and came home. Literally a week later, one week, just left. I left everything and came home. And again, started over took Mm. the time out tried to heal do all Mm. the things I went to India with my mum and dad I went to stay in a yoga retreat and you know tried to get all spiritual and all of that stuff (laughs) and you know what it helped it really did help at the time but none of the underlying things are going away because that's that's what's going on you're not resolving the things and you're geographically geographically you're you're changing the things but it doesn't sound like any of those feelings were ever resolved those feelings of self-doubt and not being good enough and they just keep coming up and getting worse with every with every decision you make or every you know, time you move or start a new job, it's just a hole that's getting deeper and deeper. That's what your story sounds like to me. You know, every, every new city, country job was a new chance, a new, right, let's, let's try again. Let's try again. And every time it failed, I did, it got the, the hole that it got deeper. I got into a darker place. Mm-hmm. and after that trip to India I came back I got a whole new job a whole new career I got through I've been through the <laughs> you know if you look at my like CV you'd just be like oh you've got quite an interesting background here people don't know what to say when they say what have you done and um, I've jumped from a contaminated land like digging up soil and water testing it for chemicals to interviewing police officers like you can't get you know much more varied but yeah so this start a new job and things are going well again and things do go well when things are new and interesting and exciting and you're meeting new people how long does that last before the problems underneath start coming back up again and um yeah just got to the point again where still I'm still single still living at home you know it started at being social having friends drinking to once the thoughts start creeping in, the drinking's not about having fun anymore. And that kind of went on 
four, five years of just up and downs. You know, there was a relationship in the middle of that that again didn't work out. Mm -hmm. There were friendships that failed all the time. Nothing's really, I'm not really going anywhere. I've just, all it is is that I started a new job. I'm still stuck at home. I'm spending money on things I shouldn't be spending money on because I want to feel better. I want you know everybody else is like living an exciting life and going on holidays and all of that stuff and I wanted to do all of that stuff too so I did I didn't have the money for it so then cracking you know all these bills and credit cards are mounting up it just all came to a head this year but in between that, the five years there were again twice I ended up in hospital this that I find really hard to I actually ran away Mm. only last year do adults run away I ran away I one day just had enough and I just left and I was missing I was declared missing and I was tracked down eventually and I mean what is that even about what is that I can't even explain that it's a person who feels completely broken and lost and unloved and not lovable and you know it's truly a broken broken person I just I got to the point where I'm like there is no reason for me to be here to exist there is no reason all I'm doing is just disappointing hurting like all I saw myself do was just was nothing good there was nothing good about me and then at the start of this year I wasn't in like any of the worst places I've been in before but I wasn't in a great place I think my parents tried to get hold of me so they're in India at this point I'm living at home on my own I don't have a job because I left Mm -hmm. my old job and they can't get hold of me but they must you know their parents can sense these things and plus of my all of my um, behavior and history they they're always a bit on edge they can't get hold of me so they called one of our um, neighbors um one of them has a key so they had to let themselves into the house to see what is she doing um is that's she okay, okay? Yeah. yeah but that's why they had to let themselves in and yeah you know, i wasn't in the best place but it wasn't anything dangerous or anything but you um, just didn't want to speak to them you didn't i didn't want to deal when i started to go downhill especially when the times i was on my own i used to stop answering the phone to family mm-hmm. i didn't want to speak to anyone i just wanted to shut the doors and just turn it all off yeah so what happened um, your neighbors come in the house they came in the house meanwhile my mum has called her sister my auntie and my auntie came to pick me up and I went to stay with her for a week a couple of weeks in that time we booked a flight and I went February 11th I flew out to India to stay with my mum and dad in our house out there I feel like I made the decision maybe at the airport or on the plane knowing that when I land there that's Mm. it time's up Shana you have to change you have this is it now no more excuses no more blaming other people or other things or anything if this if you're gonna have any chance of a decent Mm -hmm. life you need to do something about this so it all has to stop it and you need to sort this out did you know though I mean so you know you need to change right you know you can't keep living the way you've been living yes but did you know that you needed therapy that you needed help resolving issues did you know that that it was because of all these all of these unresolved issues that you were on that path I think yes that I say the year leading up to me going to India for the last time in February I had been seeing a therapist who was for the first time in a series of seeing therapists and psychologists and all sorts Mm -hmm. of psychiatrists he he got to the problems very fast very quickly he was brilliant Mm -hmm. also he made me feel like it was okay that all the things I was feeling it was okay to feel them because there was a reason for them you know like you said you feel stupid for feeling lonely don't feel like this for feeling because with everything that's happened that is a natural you know it's what's happened and you shouldn't feel bad about it or you shouldn't feel silly about it he he kind of comforted me in that which then helped me want to really deal with it I guess yeah he didn't dismiss it and he didn't make me feel silly about it so well he said it was it was real yes it was yes you know it existed and you weren't awful and it's something that you have to deal with and and then they normally will tell you well here's how you know we're going to work on this and you know we probably would have done but um all of a sudden I'm going to India and I'm like I messaged him I was like oh hi Chris I won't be making my appointment next week because I won't be in the country (laughs) it was like that I said to him I'll stay in touch I'm okay Mm -hmm. but you know and he said that you know as long as you're all right 
Um, so off to India I went and having I think got to where I had with him and then knowing that okay it's got to change I did the work myself I was in an ideal location you know in a, my family home in India in beautiful surroundings it's peaceful we live in a village out there it's just calm and serene I had taken lots of books out there with me these are books funnily enough that I bought through attempting a year of network marketing and they give you all these personal development reads yeah. and I bought them and never read them so I thought you know I'll take them with me <laughs> it's funny that I bought them for one thing that never really happened yet those books stayed with me and when I needed them they were the ones that kind of got me on the path to to turning it all around so there were a lot of things that probably I mean first of all you didn't want to feel bad anymore. Like I always, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but the human spirit can only take so much. You, you just couldn't do this anymore. You realize it was an unproductive, unfulfilling way to think and live. Plus it sounds like your therapist had opened your eyes to a lot and finally got you in touch with why you were feeling so bad. Yeah. Um, plus I think, we have to acknowledge your age at that point you're saying okay I, I it's time like i've done this long enough i i want to have a quality life for the next 60 years yeah. i want i need so i'm just happy that you got to that point i'm happy for you so what what else do you think went into you know this being different from the other times I actually have to say it was one of the books I read at the beginning there's a few books that changed things for me the first one was good vibes good life by Vex King and the other one was Gabby Bernstein's um, the universe has your back and I read those one after another and there was just all this talk of acceptance mm. and that's what I'd never done I hadn't just accepted that that's how things had panned out that's how things had happened I wanted reasons I wanted answers I kept yeah. wanting explanations things that were never going to happen and until I just realized that a lot of that stuff there was no nothing that was going to come from it but to move forward I had to just accept and forgive myself I honestly realized that I'd spent all these years just hating myself for yeah, yeah everything everything that happened to me everything that I created myself the pain and hurt I put my family everything and it was down to realizing acceptance forgiveness and how do we now move forward because bringing keep reliving that was getting me absolutely nowhere so that's what I did you seem very clear now you just seem like this is something has definitely changed you're a different person than you were yeah a year ago 100 percent. yeah like like not even a year like that person that got on that plane mm -hmm. was not the same person that landed almost like yeah. I, it was like i made the decision in the air <laughs> like, yeah. or was it making decision or realizing that i don't have a choice now i yeah. this just have to be yeah. it and if this is going to be it you have to go all the way with it no compromising with mum and dad that you will do this and that you are doing it all you are going to stop drinking you are going to stop smoking you are going to do all the things that they've been asking for you and you know deep down that you need to do no more lying be honest about everything yeah otherwise it, you're just going to come back to here again so yeah i think forgiving yourself was just so key um yes oh, i'm just delighted for yeah. you what a story oh my gosh um you went through a lot and uh i think the fact that you are here and you have clarity now and you you are finding your new path it just it shows how strong you are do you do you acknowledge that like you are strong you have been through some stuff I know I I still find that hard to see sometimes and feel now the difference between me now and then I can't even recognize that person to say wow how strong look how strong you were that you did all that because it doesn't feel like it was yeah. me so wow 
you know, if, I, if, if somebody told me that story, I'd be like the same, you, how strong that person is. But I can't, I can't even see that as myself. It's bizarre. It's a really strange. So do you feel, you feel healthy? Oh, good? like when I was in all those dark places, I thought that what I wanted was, wasn't real. I thought being able to wake up every day without feeling sad or any kind of pain or stress or worry didn't exist but it does mm -hmm. and I that is me now you know and all the things that I thought I wanted I don't have them I'm still living at home with my parents I'm still single but now I found I found me again just just something and I wake up every day and I'm excited about every day even if nothing's happening if we're living in lockdown again and I none of it you know I start to think like god what would last year Shana have thought or dealt this situation I have no idea but this to me is just just happening and we deal well I think uh you agreeing to talk to me and tell your story and share that that sad dark story um again speaks to your strength and your generosity and your heart and I'm I'm very grateful I'd like to know what is next for you though. What are you doing now that you can share with us? Um, so I got back from India and I went to see my therapist and I told him the full, you know, this is what happened. And I said to him, I said, Chris, I still think I need support, but I think I'm I've got what I need from you. Um, I need something else. And we talked about get me getting a coach because I had ideas all of a sudden, the things I wanted to do professionally. And he thought it was a brilliant idea. He said, yep, absolutely fine. I'm confident that you are on the right path. So I got myself a business coach who has now become a very good friend. And sometimes I'm like, I can't get through a day without her. No, um, she's just one of those people that you think, oh, where have you been all my life? Yeah. She's absolutely amazing, but she's really helped me still probably work on some of the inner stuff that I needed to do. And working with her, I think she said she always knew what direction I was going in, but she, obviously as a coach, she she said you had to figure it out for yourself. Um, but through working with her, I realized that all I want to do, which is always what I wanted to do is just help people. I've always wanted to help in some way didn't know how by sharing my story by realizing that all the things that I went through you know I did I did all the things in life I thought you had to do to be successful and happy and it didn't work out that way and I want people to know I want women my age to know that you can get into your 30s and still not know what you want to do and it's okay you cannot have a partner and not have children and it's okay you could leave your job of 15 years mm -hmm. and start over and it's okay and the fear around all those things, yes, it's scary. But if something is off, if something is not right, keep looking. But I don't want people also to have to get into some of the situations I got into and feel so bad about where they are in their lives. Because people, it, you know, it's a society thing. They can make you feel like you're doing it all wrong. Well, there's one path to happiness. It's <laughs> university and job and marriage. And I mean, not so much now, but that's how I grew up. I know that, that that's not the only path, but that was a very typical path that yeah. our parents went through and passed on to us. I think we all know it's not the only path, but there's still letting go of that and even saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm not this and or I haven't done that. But deep down, it is all you've kind of been taught since you were younger. So you, it's like you, you're trying to convince everybody else you're okay, but you're not because yeah. you're not doing what is expected. But I want people to know that it, it is okay. And that's why I've started my own coaching business. Yay. Because I want I just want to help people. I want them to know that, oh, you're capable of so much more. For years, something was missing, always missing. And I didn't know what it was. I thought I was, I looked everywhere. Um, but I think part of it, I didn't look, in, I didn't look internally. I was looking outside for it. I was looking outside and... That's huge. Yeah. What you just hit on, you were looking externally instead of internally yeah. for yeah. for happiness. But we're not, you know, we're not born to cope like that. We're not born no. to, to, well, maybe we are born, but we don't, we're not brought up to look inside. I've, some families just don't work that way. You know, no. um, they're just, that's not how they, how they work. And that's not how, how they're taught so for whatever reason and there were a lot of reasons you ended up so lost for so long I'm so sorry but I'm very happy that you are where you are and thank you 
And now you're gonna now you're gonna use all of that to help to help yeah, others. I have to. Yeah. But the, I can't look back and think, oh, you went through all of that shit. Like that's terrible because without it, I would not be here and able to do what I want to do. So that I have to look at it that way. Yeah. yeah, I know it sounds really cliche. Everything happens for a reason. I don't completely believe that. I think, yeah. you know, you can't say put that down to everything, but you can take everything that's happened and turn it to your advantage and do something good with it. There are ways. Yeah. It just sometimes takes a while to find them. So you're in the middle of setting up your, your coaching business, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I know there's going to be people that want to meet you online or follow you, follow your, your new path and um, might be interested in talking with you. So mm -hmm. I'm going to share your Instagram handle if that's okay. okay. Yeah, right. that's fine. It, it is at Shana, S-H-A-E-N-A -A underscore K-A-S-E-Y-J-A-Y. And I'll put that on the uh, podcast description as well. So people can find you. Um, I just, I wish everybody could see your beautiful face. This was a, a long one, but it was, it was wonderful. Um, thank you so much, Shana, for, for sharing all those intimate, private, difficult things with us. And I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. And definitely. Thank you. This has been so great. Thank you for inviting me to do this. Um, you know, it's the first time I've told the story in full out like this. I write about it a lot, but this is yeah. different and it needed to be done. And I think it's going to help me as well. You know, oh. it'll help a lot of people, but it's helping me as well. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, that was my goal as well, is to help others, including yourself. And for now, I'm going to uh, tell our listeners, thank you for sticking with us. And officially, this girl puts out is signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.